You're listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo, presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers. You can find more information about the House and our events on our website. Good evening, everyone. My name is Susanne Kalutsa. I am CEO here at the House of Literature, and it is my great honor to welcome you to tonight's event with Jamaica Kincaid. A stroke of genius was the words of one reviewer when Kincaid's iconic novel Lucy was published in Norwegian recently, translated by our very own Åsil Lappegård-Lan. And within the pages of this slim novel, Kincaid has given us a moving story about a mother-daughter relationship, a revealing description of whiteness and wealth, and a thorough exploration of the effects of colonialism on the individual, all seen through the critical eyes of the strong-minded and uncompromising Lucy. Kincaid is a master in writing about power and power imbalances, whether on a global scale or within the family, and she does so by seamlessly connecting the personal with the political and the abstract in ways that make it tangible and concrete. And she does so with humor and often surprising twists in the story. It's no wonder that Kincaid's name keeps turning up in Nobel speculations. Jamaica Kincaid is the author of a number of critically acclaimed and award-winning novels, short stories, and non-fiction books. In addition to the recent translation of Lucy, her novel The Autobiography of My Mother is also available in Norwegian, translated by Kari and Kjell Risik. In 2021, Kincaid was included in the Royal Society of Literature, and last year she was awarded the Paris Review's Lifetime Achievement Award. To talk with Kincaid on stage, we are very happy to have Ida Pauline Bostalöcken, journalist and founder of the feminist bookshop Gulberg and Bostalöcken. So please help me give them both a warm welcome. weird to be looking at something that you used to know. Um, Your books. Yes, I used to do them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and now you're doing gardening. Yes, really, no, I still write uh, the books, but um, uh, they, they, I've, I've forgotten. Um... But I never read my own writing unless someone pays me to do it. (laughs) Today you're going to read some of it. Welcome back to Oslo, Jamaica. I hope you have it in English. I do. (laughs) It would be really funny to get you to read them in Norwegian. It would be. There's the Picador. Oh, and I particularly like that cover. The headless mother. Yes. yes. And the daughter bringing her flowers. Yeah, it's sad. And no, it's somehow funny. 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 Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Oslo. I, we just spoke earlier that Trump, Brexit and Covid has happened in between the last time and now. That I was here. Two bad things and one good thing. What's the good thing? The Brexit, maybe. Oh, yes. Oh, I've been enjoying, um, well, first disappointed that Scotland didn't become independent. Mm. And then my friend told me, well, you know, the Scots had a lot to do with the slave trade, so I had to modify that. (laughs) And uh, um, then Brexit, yes, which um, I have a a thought, which it doesn't make sense, but when you first hear it, but if you think about it, you'll see how it makes sense that intelligence is often a form of stupidity. How could intelligent people do a stupid thing like Brexit? Hmm. I mean, they had to be intelligent. It's the 17th largest island on the face of the earth, and it ruled over one quarter of the world's population and even more. 
So they must have been intelligent. If that's the definition of intelligence, for it's, sure, yeah. But let that ship sink now. <laughs> the title of this talk is The Gospel of Lucy. Whoa. Mm -hmm. So I should wow. suggest that we try to stick to Lucy and yes. uh, to see yes. what she has <laughs> to <Yes>. teach us. <clears throat> yes. It's very important to keep me on top of the subject because as my, <laughs> my students <laughs> well know, I often lead them down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so yes, Lucy. Lucy. Let's give our audience a quick summary of the novel, just so we all know what we're talking about. My edition is 127 pages long, and the internet is, I think, offering me a million of theses written about this really? uh, <laughs> novel. It's a, it's a popular uh, subject indeed. It's like a garden, giving and giving, out of control. Lucy is the narrator of uh, this story. Yes. Just tell me, where does it begin? Where does uh, her, her narration begin? Oh, mm -hmm. uh, um, at her, around her late teenage years, uh, she was sent by her parents to live and work as a servant with a family in America because she was the oldest of four children. And um, the expectation would be that she would send her earnings back to her family because her, her stepfather, the other children's father, had gotten sick. He was older than the mother of Lucy and the other children, and um, a very skilled carpenter, mm. but also, and also had been a cricketer in his youth, um, but also really rather vain and had been very good looking and <laughs> selfish. And, you know, it's just the sort of man that uh, many women uh, are attracted to including myself when I was younger, but mm. not so now. Um, <laughs> so Lucy, she has to go away. Yes, so she, she's, sent, she's away. sent away. And she's very resentful of, of, of this. And uh, um, she begins to um, uh, assert herself in, in doing things, um, such as, for instance, not sending home her paycheck, mm. but buying, uh, using it to buy clothes at that time, the most expensive department store on Fifth Avenue. Um, she was the best dressed au pair you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> she even had a Mary Quant dress. That nice. She spent. Yes. There's a lot of about clothes and materials and patterns in all of your mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. I can tell you about that if you like. <laughs> Maybe later, but what I think that we just need to, even though it's a taboo somehow when you interview an author to say, is it about you? But I think that we need you, some... You can say, it is about me. Yeah, it's always you. about me. It's always about it's you. It's always about me. I, I, I teach a class on the garden and it's all about me. Because mm. you also left, you, you also had to leave even when you were even younger than Lucy, 16 and a half from yes. Antigua. Yes, yes. The Lucy story parallels almost to the punctuation my mm. own life. Yes. And I noticed that in every interview you do not use the expression au pair. No, I don't, um, even though that is exactly what I, I was. I happen, I, I happen to have been um, with a family who were incredibly liberal, um, and so they really hired me uh, to take care of, of their children. In fact, I found, um, I was sent to America with another family um, that, 
uh, lived on the American base in Antigua. And um, while with them, I went to school at nights and got finished, completed my high school education. Mm. And um, I had a friend whose name I use in the book, Patty Puff was her name. And uh, she lived in Harrison and um, New York. And we would... Some, oh, I met her because her cousin was an, another au pair from Ireland. Her name was Margaret, and she disproved of Margaret. But for some reason, she liked me. But her parents were incredibly racist. And, um, th and I, did not, I didn't understand American racism. You know, I first went to America, and I'll tell you why. Um, in uh, the... Uh, the English used to have a very limited definition of white people so that people from Spain mm. were not white or Italy. Eastern Europe. Uh, is Poland, mm. um, yes, were not white really. So um, a friend, the French were kind, you know, <laughs> so because they were French. I don't know if you know the English used to, I don't know if they do it still, but they used to speak French with an English, as if the French words were English. They never pronounced it properly. It's such an arrogant... Um, uh, anyway, um, uh, so when I first went to America, I suddenly met all these people who said they were white. And Irish, yeah, sure. Well... Polish, um, Italians, yeah. Spanish, uh, they all said they were white, and I thought, that's ridiculous. And I just ignored <laughs> the whole white thing. So I never, um, I, I never, the idea of not doing something because only white people did it, it never, I never bothered with that. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, this friend of mine, Patty Puff, uh, um, she and I became friends, and it was she who took me in 19, uh, I think it's 67, but people who look at the records say it's 68. She took me to the Hunter uh, College Auditorium to see first Jimi Hendrix, and then the no another time Cream. And then after that, we began to go to the Fillmore on 2nd Avenue, where um, we first saw Big Brother and the Holding Company. And so oh, Janis Joplin was the lead singer. Um, yes, yeah, see, nice. I'm really old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are really young. But Joe, I, I'm going to tell you the story of Lucy. So that was how um, my um, entering into this world of... Mm. Um, Essentially, it was not noticing that other people were white mm. and not black. I just assumed they were other people. And when they were racist, I thought, I didn't understand American racism. So I would just think, gosh, that person was not brought up properly. <laughs> and I, I just did. Um, uh, and I was lucky that I met some good white people who... Uh, didn't seem to notice that I was black. and um, In a small place, uh, I think you even write somewhere that you pity all the British people that they behave so badly. Oh, <laughs> it's a very interesting thing. I don't know if you... Um, I think being Norwegian, you probably don't have this phenomenon. But a lot of Europeans like to go and live among people that they absolutely despise. <laughs> it's just a strange thing, you know, you'll find white people in Africa, but they hate Africans. <laughs> Why are you there? <laughs> yeah, it's a curious... Uh, it's very... It's, very mm. it's more than... It's so strange. It's like, mm. are you crazy? How did you become like that? Yes. That's the main question. <laughs> the main question that, Lucy asks. Yeah. Um, yes, but, but, but her world is um, not to... You asked me how she... Um, uh, she was a very uh, bitter person mm. at, at that because she felt um, uh, a rather mis 
mistreated and um, on an injustice had been visited mm. on her. She was very smart. She was supposed to go to university on scholarships and all sorts of things. And suddenly her world was upended and she didn't really know what to make of it. Mm. Um, she She's experiencing a lot of things, Lucy, um, except uh, like sunshine in minus degrees. Oh, God, that was a shock. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Uh, no, because um, I remember when I was about seven or so, uh, um, someone I uh, we knew got a refrigerator, mm-hmm. and when they were away, their children would allow us to come into the house and open the door and stand in front of it. Just <laughs> we'd never felt cold air before. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, it's one of the things um, she, me, experienced when mm. I first came to. America, that the sun could be shining and it was cold. And, uh, you know, I mean, who is it? Hegel says geography is destiny. It's more complicated and also more mysterious and enjoyable. Imagine that your geography is hot and you've never experienced cold except in front of a refrigerator. Isn't that kind of fun? It is indeed it is not so much fun for Lucy, though. At, the no. fir- at page three here, she she is describing it as, I was no longer in a tropical zone, and this realization now entered my life like a flow of water dividing formerly dry and solid ground, creating two banks. One of which was my past, so familiar, familiar and predictable that even my unhappiness then made me happy now just to think of it. The other, my future, a grey blank, an overcast seascape on which rain was falling and no boats were in sight. And I wonder, there is a lot of water in your books. It's raining and... Boys are drowning in the river and the mother in Annie John disappearing and reappearing. Yes. It's so stressful. Yeah. She must not drown. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, the two banks here oh, being created in oh, Lucy? Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, it's very difficult to think of your own work in analytical mm. uh Uh, terms um, uh, because you are already doing that when you're writing it but um, not putting it quite so much so it reads like um, um, or what does water mean to you? I grew up on an island Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) a very small island you could walk around it three times in one day Mm. um I saw the sea every day and it terrified me. The idea that I could not get off, I didn't know I could get off. I thought if I walked to the end, I was sort of a a kind of version of a flat earth person, you know. If I walked to the edge of the island, um, that was the end. I would never, um, and and for that reason, I can't swim. There's a myth in America um, Mm. about black people not being able to swim because they have big bottoms. (laughs) You've never heard of that prejudice? That's very childish. The the prejudice? It's a racist and very weird thing. Oh, you think that's childish? Some of the things uh, uh, people... Um, say about African Americans, it's just, it's just a wonder that it could be the same people who first went to the moon. <laughs> it's just so really. Um, but uh, no, I saw water every day, and then I, I, there was a period in my childhood where it didn't rain mm. for a long time. So I grew up in a in a kind of drought, and the reason for that is that Antigua was deforested to grow sugarcane, um, and it created conditions mm. um, for drought. Mm. Uh, so I grew up in, a, um, I think there was a hurricane in 1950. My mother used to tell So there me. was no rain because of sugarcane production through slavery? Yes, the- yes. Mm. So the island suffered. It's, it, 
when you, I think I wrote about it in a small place. When you go to Antigua and you see that it's lush and green, mm. you should just go home. Your holiday's ruined. Because what you want to do is go to a place that's just always sunny and bright and for the few days you are there and then you get on the plane and leave the people who live there to their misery of waterlessness. So um, they even control the weather. The, the British, even, actually. Well, well yes, colonialism, um, the conquest of other people, yeah. Uh, um, that's what you want, to mm. conquer them and um, dispossess them mm. of um, everything, including themselves. And uh, you take everything, including them. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's a very... Yeah, it's a very... You know, um, sometimes also when I'm teaching this, Id this idea in which so, so many of my students will often, because they're African-Americans, um, not all of them, but uh, African-Americans, but they often feel, you know, the, um, the endlessness of the situation of racism. Mm -hmm. And then I have them read uh, um, The Gallic Wars by Julius Caesar, in which uh, Julius Caesar has nothing but contempt for the Germans. First, he thinks they're really stupid because they don't know how to ride horses properly. <laughs> and uh, he says all kinds of disgusting things about the Britons, the Welsh. Everybody mm. is just... Uh, you know, and and um, the Roman, Roman wealth came from Hispania, um, Spain, um, which to me explains why when the Spaniards went out into the world, they were so greedy for minerals because that's what they were no, mm. known for. Their conquerors wanted them to mine. Mm. Um, but uh, so we read it and um, I want them to write a letter to Julius Caesar 1,500, 2,000 years ago to say, you know, these assholes you were so contemptuous of are mm. now running the world. Um, and that's, uh, that's the way a lot of things have worked. People who were mm. on top, uh, it sort of turns around. Mm. Um, so I was uh, I was trying to say things like that in Lucy, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> we've yes. noticed. She is arriving New York, working as a servant with this white, liberal, super mm. nice family. They are somehow annoying in many ways. Uh, I, I must say, I, I, I cringed quite often reading uh, this oh. book. And I wondered if you could read... I wondered if you could read uh, some here. I, I should from, tell you, mm? you know, the person who's Maria in the... Um, uh, when I was writing uh, um, those the what became Lucy, the chapters were published... Uh, in the New Yorker, mm. and at one point she wrote me a letter to mm. say, um, you have to stop this, the children are very upset. And um, the, f the bouquet of the four girls. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and um, of course I would never stop doing something just because someone told me to. <laughs> and uh, then later she said to me, I'm so grateful for this book, it's the only account I have, true account I have of my marriage, mm. and um, oh, she died recently. We remained friends. Yeah, um, yeah she died recently, and uh, I wrote to one of the daughters and uh, said, you know, your mother was like a mother to me, and she was. She was the kindest person mm. uh, to me, and the daughter wrote back and said... Um, it's very nice of you to say that, but um, don't tell my sisters because our mother spent much time not wanting to be our mother. And so it ended the uh, conversation. But a lot of my... Another mother that didn't want to be a mother. <laughs> I, well, she, she liked being my mother, yeah. but she didn't like being her children's mother because it has 
people don't really take this in. It's a, it's a very hard thing to be a mother. I mean, I think we are now sort of understanding that the mother is not uh, the source of everything. Um, you know, that the mother is a person, that the mother... Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes, the mother has dreams and, mm. you know, uh, yeah, uh, never mind. We will talk Rabbit more hole. about the mother we very can... soon. It's somehow the, your main topic. But it's I, my main I topic. Just, I just wanted people to experience how uncomfortable uh, it, it somehow can be. <laughs> so it, was, it is from, it was dinner and then until oh, the until end. Until the end? Yes. Very well. So so this chapter is called Poor Visitor and oh, they're yes, uh, having yes. uh, dinner at this uh, at friendly home. white family. Yes, huh? this is lovely people mm. um, who are very uh, kind to this servant girl. Um, but for some reason, uh, I... I don't remember if it's my mother who told me this um, about biting the hand that feeds you. You must always, from time to time, bite the hand that feeds you mm. because uh, the person feeding you eventually becomes to think, if only it weren't for me, you'd be dead. And so you have to let them know that um, they don't have that power and you bite them. <laughs> and if they continue to feed you, but you have to risk it. Mm. Okay, so Lucy is definitely risking it in this situation. She I must bites say. the hand that she is her biting all along, all the time. So the paragraph begins. It was at dinner one, one night, not long after I began to live with them, that they began to call me the visitor. They said I seemed not to be part a part of things, as if I didn't live in their house with them, as if they weren't like a family to me, as if I were just passing through, just saying one long hello, and soon would be saying a quick goodbye so long. It was very nice, for look at the way I stared at them as they ate. Louis said, had I never seen anyone put a forkful of French cut green beans in his mouth before? That this made Mariah laugh. But almost everything Louis said made Mariah laugh, made Mariah happy, and so she would laugh. I didn't laugh though, and Louis looked at me, concern on his face. He said, Poor visitor, poor visitor, over and over, a sympathetic tone to his voice, and then he told me a story about an uncle he had who had gone to Canada and raised monkeys, and how after a while the uncle loved monkeys so much and was so used to being around them that he found actual human beings hard to take. He had told me the story about his uncle before, and while he was telling it to me this time, I was remembering a dream I had had about them. Louis was chasing me around the house, I wasn't wearing any clothes. The ground on which I was running was yellow, as if it had been paved with cornmeal. Louis was chasing me around and around the house, and though he came close, he could never catch up with me. Mariah stood at the open window saying, Catch her, Louis, catch her. Eventually, I, found I fell down a hole, at the bottom of which was some silver and blue snakes. When Louis finished telling his story, I told them my dream. When I finished, they both fell silent. Then they looked at me, and Mariah cleared her throat. But it was obvious from the way she did it that her throat did not need clearing at all. Their two yellow heads swam towards each other, and in unison bobbed up and down. Louis made a clucking noise, then said, "'Poor, poor visitor,' And Mariah said, Dr. Freud for visitor. And I wondered why she said that, for I did not know who Dr. Freud was. Then they laughed in a soft, kind way. I had meant by telling them my dream that I had taken them in, because only people who were very important to me had ever shown up in my dreams. I did not know if they understood that. Whew. 
Thank you, Jamaica. When you um, when you read what you've written, mm. you must be impressed, right? <laughs> oh, I wish you hadn't said that. Now you are. Uh, the whole room will know what a big swell head I have. <laughs> Of course, I think that's a beautiful passage, and I think, mm. as I'm reading it, I can't believe I wrote that. Wow. Yeah. So now you know I am Miss Vanity. It's out there. Well, she's somehow forcing her subjectivity on them. Or, so do you think? I know it's hard to analyze your own text, but do you think that Lucy know what she's doing here? Telling them about her dream? Yes, in her way. Where I'm from, people tell their dreams all the time. Mm. And they look for things in it. Um, they, know, they know why they're doing it. No one is ignorant, um, naturally. It's just that you do certain things that are ignorant and you especially if they benefit you, you continue to do these ignorant things. If they, um, uh, if they especially bring you a huge fortune, like buy Twitter. That's a... <laughs> um, but, um, of course, she um, understood, but not, um, you know... Uh, without having read Freud or even known there mm. was someone like Freud. Um, you know, Freud is just um, all young, all of those, the, are versions of individuals in every group of people who can understand, listen to you and understand something you are saying um, in relation to your... Uh, society you're in. Um, she knew what she was was saying. She knew, but but couldn't, of course, because of her limited experience, couldn't understand how it would reverberate mm. through them, mm. and um, that they uh, might interpret it because snakes for them might mean a penis, whereas. For her, a snake wasn't a penis at all, but a treacherous thing. And I suppose some people think a penis is a treacherous thing. <laughs> um, but yes, she she knew, but again, not understanding, like uh, quite the way Mariah would have shown her mm. the daffodils, not understanding wha what it would mean uh, to her, even mm. after her telling uh, Mariah, there, there's a scene in the book. In yeah, the... let's go there immediately. Mariah and the daffodils, it says here. And then there is Mariah and the daffodils. And the daffodils, yes. Daffodils, it's Paske Lilith in Norwegian. So it, just everybody. It's, it's what? It... Easter lilies, we call them. Paske Lilith. Oh, wow, mm. you call them. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah. They're not native to here. You know, there isn't a flower that Holland sells that's native to Holland. Didn't you know that? Let that sink in. <laughs> Everything they sell, they got it from somewhere else, starting with the tulip. Mariah really loves daffodils. Yes. And Lucy, she has a different relationship to daffodils. She does. Mm. Again, um, uh, uh, in a colonial education, um, you know, our uh, curriculum was probably designed um, by someone who went to Eton, a place that one should just drop a bomb on, <laughs> <laughs> but not kill anybody, just... just um, and um, actually, I still have, uh, whenever I can find them, I buy them, the school books we, we, we were uh, taught from. Mm. And um, a lot of the uh, uh, 
education was, was reciting and memorizing poems. And um, it's not just my school, but if you go to people of a certain age, um, Derek Walcott, The Mighty Sparrow, um, oh, people in Kenya, in a certain age, uh, their education involved memorizing I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud. Mm. And almost all of us live in tropical climates in which a tulip does, uh, daffodil does not grow. And I, I just remember uh, um, wandering, and I was about 10. I had a very political mother, and I absorbed a lot of her um, likes and dislikes, political likes and dislikes. And uh, I just somehow knew that the daffodil um, was making me commit to my memory which, as we all know, is in the source of so many things that are traumatic or wonderful or, you know, memory. Incidentally, you know, memory is Zeus's sister. Um, and she's one of those, the one god, I think, who doesn't really have an active role. She isn't seducing someone or causing someone <laughs> to do something terrible but she has nine daughters and those nine daughters are the foundations of civilization so memory is a it's a substantial yeah not just the brain but the memory memory it's a it's a it's a thing so we were asked to memorize uh the many things mm. that had nothing uh, to do with anything about us. And it, in, in many ways, distorted us irrevocably. I mean, the crime of that. You uh, also had to write Ignorance is Bliss a couple yes, of times. Yes, I had to do when I was about six. I yeah. had done something bad and my punishment was Ignorance is Bliss, it's folly to be wise. I had to write it a thousand times. You it, didn't uh, integrate that no, message. No, but the thing I did integrate was I had to, another punishment, I had to um, copy out books one and two of Paradise Lost mm. by John Milton. And I naturally uh, identified with you-know-who. Um, Lucifer. I, I hated, Lu yes, Lucifer. <laughs> Forgetting it's allowed to say it. Yes. <laughs> Well, he was the favorite, Lucifer, mm. son of the morning light, is what his name mean, means. And he was a very good son, and then he um, rebelled. And his, the, his famous motto for me is, better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. Mm. I really like No more servant business. No more servants. Nice. But the daffodil, the I have to tell you about the daffodils. Mm. So I had to memorize this poem about the daffodil, a flower I would never see. And, and this, it's such a great poem that if you've never seen a daffodil, you need not see the daffodil to know how beautiful and wonderful it is. You know, he describes them dancing in the breeze and, oh gosh, and, and I think... <laughs> Um, it, it's one of the great, great poems. And actually, the English should be brought to trial for um, the crime against Wordsworth. Um, so mm. the, the, the uh, uh, head of the household in, in Lucy um, loves daffodils and one day takes her to Central Park to see the daffodils. And Lucy keeps her anger in and tells her the whole story uh, about the daffodils. And Mariah is very sad. I, I really, I've been very lucky in my life that for all the horrible white people in the world, mm. I met only the best ones. They have all, the ones I met 
were so wonderful to me. One of them took me to the New Yorker. That's how I became a New Yorker writer. A mm -hmm. uh, writer named George W. S. Stroh just said to me one day, would you like to meet Mr. Sean? I had no idea who Mr. Sean was. I said, sure. I met Mr. Sean and I was hired as a talk writer. Um, you met good people, but you've also been really brave. You think? <laughs> to say, sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Mariah, she's nice, but she's a bit ignorant because Lucy has told her about memorizing the letter and that she didn't like it or that she tried to, to erase it. And then they finally go to Central Park to yes. see the flowers. There's a handkerchief involved, like... Oh, and then the like revelation Mariah of the daffodils. shows her the world somehow. Yes. And then Mariah says, I'm sorry about the poem, but I hope you find yes. them lovely. Anyway, it's like saying, I'm sorry about colonialism, but I hope you like the flowers anyway. Or... <laughs> Um, not quite, <laughs> but uh, I see. I see what being what forced you mean. to memorize this poem yes. from some British yes. wonderful yes, you poet, got, but there is you somehow yeah. Mm. You couldn't go up to the next grade if you didn't know certain things, mm. and it was all about England. I could tell you all the the history of of England. Mm. Not only that. I thought Wales and Scotland were provinces of England. <laughs> I, because the whole thing was England. Mm. And um, uh, so uh, I, I should, uh, the redemption of this is that one day when I moved to Vermont and started a garden um, and still wouldn't plant daffodils, and it dawned on me that I was punishing Shakes, uh, Wordsworth, Wordsworth and this wonderful flower, or this flower, let's say it's not wonderful, it's a flower, uh, for this crime against humanity um, perpetrated by people native to the 17th largest island on earth. Remember that. 17. And yeah. they, ruled, yeah, it's not, they ruled how big parts of the world? Two thirds? Um, no, a, a good, almost a half. Mm. The, we used to walk into our classroom and see a map of the world, and a lot of it was pink, and all the pink was English. I have a map um, that sh shows a map of the earth that sh it says the places English. England didn't invade, and they're like three tiny spots, three tiny white spots. The rest of it is all pink. But um, the daffodils in your garden. The da yes. So after I had this realization, I then proceeded to plant daffodils on my lawn, and I. Uh, sometime, a while ago now, I reached 10,000, but now I have 21,000. And the lawn is just extraordinary. It, they're starting to come up. It's just this um, golden field. and It's not a lawn, really. It's a field of, of yellow. And I call it um, Redeeming Wordsworth. And uh, <laughs> I often have friends over, and we recite the poem and, and get drunk. <laughs> because it's um but there's some there's something in um I learned in all of, all of that when you were saying that Mariah was um you said ignorant or stupid what was the word yeah ignorant yeah. stupid all of this yeah well works. you know it was in that time when um in the early uh mid 19 to late 1960s I mean she was the first person um, to introduce me to the second sex. Mm -hmm. um, I would tell her about my mother, and she would give me these books. She gave me Virginia Woolf. Um, Is it Orlando in Lucy that she's... Uh, Did I say Orlando? Because I actually hate Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> um, of no, all I don't Virginia remember, Woolf but it's Wolfen, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. and... Um, uh, uh, no, was was um, her her plight was was um, she wanted to be a painter, mm. and it 
was difficult uh, for a woman in 1968. You know, Helen. There are a few painters. Um, Mariah wanted to become a painter. Yes, mm. she painted. She turned the uh, dining room into a studio. And um, at four, this is how you can tell I'm an au pair. At four o'clock, when the children came home from school, yeah. my job was done. And then that was when I went to night school at the New School for Social Research. Uh, and I didn't work on, on weekends. She, she was a very, um, we remained friends mm. for a long time. Mm. Um, you know, but I could... I grew up with women and men who had this kind of underground, not on, underneath, not underground, it was some kind of warfare. Mm. Um, so I recognized her predicament, not, in, not exactly, I mean, you know, I remember once, and I may have written about it, I can't remember, my mother and father had a fight and, um, or a quarrel, and he was so angry, he threw his food on the ground and walked away. And my mother carefully picked it up, put it back on the plate, covered it, and put it um, at the dinner table. Um, so that night when he came home to dinner and uncovered his plate, he met the food he had thrown in the ground. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I and was small used, protest. Well, yeah, I was sort of used to men and women being. Mm. Uh, mm. Um, so uh, and women having a hard time um, mm. with their lives. So I was I was very sympathetic to her, but at the same time, since I saw her position position slightly like my mother's, I was determined. Uh, not to have yeah. that kind of life, um, and somehow um, going, being sent away allowed that to be true. I think I would have not been married and have children if I'd continued to live uh, uh, in Antigua. I'm quite sure of it. I, I never really met in my youth in Antigua um, uh, someone I had a. Uh, I thought, oh, I'd like to spend my life with him. My friend um, in the book always was roman romanticizing about someone and just thought she was so silly. Because mm. um, I, I really wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know it was possible. Mm. So I would have just been one of the many frustrated people in the world. We're happy that you came to a place where you could write. Thank you. But Thank she you. had to... Uh, to uh, end, Lucy has to end her relationship with her mother. At the same time as she's getting closer and closer to Mariah, she's cutting off her mother. Yes. Wearing her letters close to her heart, so she will be reminded of her hatred towards her, isn't it? She's, she hates her mother, not, not necessarily only, but there is a great deal of anger yes. there. Uh, um. Hatred isn't, uh, yeah, I've hated, and um, mm. that wasn't quite it, but it was was true. I have a sentence in something I wrote. My mother would would kill me if she could, and I would, would kill, kill her, her if I had the courage. Mm. I wouldn't have the courage to mm. kill her, but she really was a piece of, work and yet on, on <laughs> you know I owe her a great deal she taught yeah. me to read mm. um whole words I could read by the time I was three and a half mm. uh in a way uh she taught me um to cultivate memory she would go through a trunk of my clothes and her old clothes and tell me stories about them. Mm. She would bathe me and tell me all sorts of things. She would chew my food for me uh, because I, I found I didn't like to eat. But I must have had an eating disorder. But in a place like that, that wouldn't be recognized. No diagnosis no. were no, but available. And I don't know if you... Uh, mm. I was just reading that in yellow. The, you talk about the sea, but the color yellow comes up mm. a lot. Mm. 
um, in my work and and fabric. Mm. And if you want to talk about the fabric in in the work, at some point I can tell you the the larger meaning of that. And now I'm really tempted. I just need to finish the mother topic a little. Yes, rabbit hole. Because, <laughs> because for sure, as a reading Annie and John, there is a very symbiotic relationship with mother. It's so full of love and it's so heartbreaking when the mother turns away from Annie mm. and John. And I'm... I've been thinking about this cutting off, uh, cutting off when Lucy is cutting off her mother. Is it like, uh, is it cutting off? As I say, you're living in an island. There's a, it's a colony and it's a patriarchy. Oh. Who is rehearsing this more than the mother somehow? In the poem, girl, there's this. Yeah. Don't become a slut. Yes. And uh, and all this is it in an order in order to get free she needs to yes to kill her mother yes. somehow well yeah it's sort of like um, and again I hadn't understood this consciously but um, you know like pe- places that were former colonies getting mm. independence mm. Um, and cutting off ties and regaining changing of name for instance which mm. i did i changed my name mm. um uh no it's uh, um the okay now this is a, a, as the many writers in this room know um a writer has to know everything and know nothing mm. at the same time but I think that it's been somehow, when you speak about Lucy, you speak about her as this fierce and she's very strong-headed and she cuts her mother off and she keeps her money to herself buying a dress. A dress, yes. But there is also a, a great deal of grief here. Yes, as there should be. Mm. Um, uh, losing something um, precious... Mm but must be lost, it must be. Um, It's a good thing to lose it, but there's also grief in it. Mm. Um, One thing... uh, Oops, I must spill my coffee. Um, You know, about... that that we we tend to forget and perhaps... um, harder to accept in contemporary... um, writing novels and I'm speaking about America I don't know um, about um, you here but um, we in America don't don't like to think that something cannot be mended that the uh, ragged end of it that's what it is that's yeah, it didn't get mended back together and was whole and, mm. um, uh, you know, we are not returning to Eden, um, to paradise, which is, paradise is a form of death, really. Mm. It's a state of death. Um, because you don't want anything, you don't do anything, you just kind of... <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, she loses something, and Mm. she must lose something Mm. um, because she gains something else. But it's not a bad thing to lose something, uh, to gain something else. Um, You know, even if it's something, if you gain something wrong, it's always good to, to do something. Of course, not chop off people's heads. That's not doing something. <laughs> um, but but um, you know, Americans. My favorite thing to just tell my students they mustn't write because they all want to write these stupid things. Um, what do they see. want to write? Fableman is in trouble, or some stupid thing like that. <laughs> you know, where this man marries someone who wants to be the 
chief something. Oi, there's a lot of work but to that's, do. But that's an American um, novel for the most part. Is it Fable? No, that's Steven Spielberg's. What is his name? Maybe over the same structure. Anyway. It, yes. Mm. No, Steven Spielberg is, a, is one I, I like. Uh, I admire him. Um, but no, we, we write these awful books and um, you know about these tiny little things that happen in Brooklyn and it's not it's not a tiny little thing like a piece of paper in the corner which reveals something and I only say that because I've become addicted to Korean tele television <laughs> you You've become addicted to Korean TV? I love Korean melodramas. You also, of all people, everybody's... The romantic series? No, not romance, police uh, dramas. Um, um, all, uh, there's a wonderful one with a, about a lawyer who has severe autism. and um, A lawyer she, that has severe autism? Yes, and she's number one in her class. See, that's the thing. You'd never find a, a story like that. Uh, I think it's autism, but um, her name is um, Attorney Wu, and she can hardly get through a door. She has to count before she rushes through the door, mm. but she always finds the right strategy, and she's just adorable. And, um, yeah, so I like things uh, like that, and I eat Korean food all the time. Mm. don't think I'm going to learn to cook it, but... Not to wander down a rabbit hole too much, I just to say that... Yeah, it was a quite um, nice rabbit hole, a surprising one. I'm happy about that one. Back to the names. names. Switching names. Yes. The mother is somehow not dead, but uh, psychologically put on a pause for some time. And Lucy is reflecting on her name, embracing her... Def, Lucifer, yes, her, her and we know that transgressiveness. You... Mm. She's a transgressor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the snake. <laughs> I remember in the autobiography of my mother, there is um, Suela is reflecting about this, this, how the slaves are buried outside the church. Do you remember that? I think they're buried um, with their faces. Turned that was to the wrong side. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that when Jesus uh, comes and the trumpet by is mm. blown, I think it's by the angel Gabriel, mm. who incidentally is the one standing at the. Oh, this is very interesting how it makes sense, because when they're driven out of Eden, mm. he uh, they go through the east gate. Exactly. And he's standing with a sword that spins. So if you cross, you just get mincemeat. If you try to screw back, <laughs> and you just turn into mincemeat. And, um, uh, yes, yeah, so to... Yeah, so they are not allowed to... Enter and no. then, then Suela is reflecting, thinking, what if they're not interested in that? What, what if, if they're not? Yeah. Yes, because yes, well, um, the slaves were always buried facing west mm. because on the day of judgment, um, all the people who rise up will face east, mm. and um, which, as I say, is the gate, it's the eastern gate that Adam and Eve, um. Uh, exit. I'm always interested in all these these things. Uh, um, sometimes I think I'm on the verge of becoming a, a Torah scholar, but don't worry, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm always interested in how these things manifest in so many ways. Mm. Uh, um, because why is they Adam and Eve through the East, but when the it's going to be east. The other thing I I was um, I've always uh, become interested in, but that's through the garden, is um, and saw that it was good. Um, these things are informing things I'm writing now, so maybe I shouldn't talk about them. Um, but you know that 
part of the beginning of the Bible where it says, and God created and hmm. saw that it was good. Well, it's obviously, you can only see that it was good because there are many others that weren't good. <laughs> you so, need to have something to yes, compare. Yes. Mm. And so I began to think about that and actually ask us Torah scholar. And apparently there's lots of things written uh, about the many earths that God created mm. that were not good and they're just like hanging out there. <laughs> um And uh, uh, then the other thing is um, um, making uh, uh, a water flows from the garden mm -hmm. and it divides into four. And that turns out to be the eternal classic design of a garden, a quadrant. Yeah, this I didn't know. It, well, come to me. <laughs> I wish... Anyway, um, Lucy is embracing this darkness, not the, or, or she's embracing her name, Lucy, uh, Lucy Lucifer. Lucifer mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, Suela in in the autobiography of my mother is also doing. Uh, she's reflecting on her name, um, that it is intoxicating with hatred to 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 live in such a name, a name <laughs> that is given to you by by the wrong people. And you yourself changed uh, your name. Did you consider several names before you? I did, actually. Yeah? Yes. Um, but, uh, uh, oh gosh, do you really want to hear them? I mean, you can look them up online. But um, it was a question of Jamaica Kincaid, um, Havana and Dominica Davenport. Dominica <laughs> Davenport. Yes, you could have been reading books by... Havana Davenport, <laughs> yeah. but Jamaica um, uh, seemed um, right. Havana, I think Havana is Spanish, but of the uh, yeah, because that's important, right? Yeah, yeah, because of the four uh, islands in the larger Antilles mm. that Columbus fell on, um, drifting by, naming Cu them. Yes, mm. Cuba was always Cuba. It's an Arawak name, I think. Mm. Haiti is Haiti. Mm. Uh, Jamaica is Jamaica. And I don't know, I think Puerto Rico is Puerto Rico's Spanish. But um, the names of these places uh, were always, yeah. Um, na names are imp important. In fact, you know, a big part of the class I teach on, mm. on the garden is the renaming of um, things. And we have a whole discussion on what it means to name. Now, if you if you look at the uh, names of things, you'll see, um, really, it's a history of dispossession and, <laughs> and possession. Because uh, when you name something, you um, begin to give it a meaning mm. that is useful to you and important to you and even when you find things that are associated with the people who originally knew it you dismiss them and take whatever it is exactly. um, they meant so we, we I have a whole theory about um, naming not only that I have a whole theory about whether a person is a noun or a verb nice And this comes up at the end. We have to end now. Well, But I just wanted go. to ask. Nouns or verbs? The, the, gar <laughs> the garden. You have daffodils in your garden. I have. Reading them poems. Yes. Do you also grow cotton in your garden? I do, in honor of the ancestors. Mm. Um, what else do I grow that is in honor of the ancestors? It's cotton mainly. And mm. um, they, they, to show you how perverse we humans are, there is a black leaf cotton, which I grow. It has black leaves. Picture um, that. Um, and it has beautiful flowers. But I never get any cotton because Vermont has too short a season. Mm. It's why there wasn't much slavery. Slavery was all over America. Um, but It didn't really prosper as much in the Northeast because it's not, slavery is basically 
agricultural and mm. yeah, it didn't <laughs> didn't really work out in places like Vermont. Season is too short. It's okay. great to think about your important works that gives us insight to into how it must have been to grow up in a colonial on a colonial island and to think about your garden at the same time. It's and, a uh, it's yes, a beautiful and, poem in itself. Well, thank you. But I, uh, as I've said, so many terrible and true things about my mother. I will also um, mm. say some true things that were wonderful about her that um, not only did she teach me to read, uh, but a lot of the things that I think about, um, I uh, run, they run through her. What was interesting about her, the Cronus part, is as, um, mm. yeah, at some point, sending me away to America um, while I was at the height of my um, um, secondary education triumph. I was always first in my class. I was obnoxious about that, <laughs> a teacher's pet. Um, that was when she was Cronus. She ate me at night. Mm. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jamaica. You've been listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo, presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers. You can find more episodes and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud and our website. The music is by Apotheque.